Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. when you actually discover how free you are under the new covenant, it reveals what's in your heart. You start questioning, well, why was I giving? Why was I going to church? Why was I witnessing? Why was I praying for people? Why were we reading the Bible as a family? Is it because you feel like you have to? Or is it because you feel like you're so grateful for what God has done for you, you engage and add that layer of response into your life? It's a relationship, amen? Now, I think we know that, But we don't really know that deep within our hearts. We don't really live within the truth of it. When something goes wrong, that's where you can tell what you really believe. Sickness shows up. Debt shows up. If your response is, what did I do to bring this on me? Or or, what did I do for God to bring this to me? God, why are you doing this to me? You know, those are all improper responses. Because what God is trying to do is make you look just like Jesus, and Jesus has no lack. I'm not talking about Bugattis and mansions. We're talking about righteousness, peace, and joy. Where you're at a place of peace, where you have nothing in this world that is robbing your joy, and you're not making decisions in such a way that constrict and harden your heart to let God flow through it. Amen? So that, that's kind of where I want to go in this series. I'm actually starting a series today. We're going to call it One Small Step. I think, this is the, I think John said this is the 50th year anniversary of our trip to the moon. Any conspiracy people? You don't think we actually went there? <laughs> One honest person raised their hand. Chris looked to Callie to ask if it was okay if he admitted it or not. I see you. I see you. We'll talk later. Uh, but ultimately, I want to talk for the next couple of weeks about habits and just the small decisions that we make because we want to launch into this new year. You know, I always like to start off the new year just resetting, whether you call it goals, resolutions, intentions, whatever, I don't care. It's like in one church, one group of people, you're like, what are your resolutions? I don't set resolutions. I set goals. Okay, well, what are your goals? I don't set goals. I set intentions. Whatever. Whatever word you want to use, I really don't care. What we want is to experience improvement in our lives, right? But see, here's the thing. You cannot improve spiritually. You know, in a lot of places, they talk about spiritual growth. Have you ever heard of that, heard of that term? Like you take a course maybe for spiritual growth. And I understand the concept, but here's the reality. You are as complete now on the inside as you ever will be. You are as righteous right now in this moment as Jesus is in your spirit, in that area that God has reshaped you after the resurrection and he's placed his spirit within you. For For the spirit of God to dwell within you, inside you, It must be a holy place because the Spirit of God can't go anywhere where it's not holy. Now, I don't understand the dynamics of that type of quantum reality thing. I don't know. But God, what He does is He cleanses you. He takes the life of Jesus that came into this earth and destroyed everything that limits mankind from experiencing 100% harmony with God, and He destroyed the power of it 
over mankind. And he placed that victory in you. And he joined his spirit, his very nature to you. Colossians talks about how a circumcision without, without hands was performed on you. He removed the body of sin or the root of sin or the nature of sin. And he put in his spirit within you. And he gave you a new heart. You are the Ark of the Covenant walking around this planet carrying the very presence of God. God no longer lives behind a curtain, separated from people. He lives inside of you. Why? Because that's what God decided it would be like. Anything that you did? No. What did you do? You just, okay, yes, I'll receive that. That's all you can do. Now, knowing that, I hope that that is your center. Like when you're look, so, so then from that position, you look at the rest of your life and you're looking at areas and you're thinking, okay, I need to, I need to experience improvement here. Boy, I really messed up here. Boy, I, I cannot believe that I'm here. This is pretty good. This is pretty good. Oh, we're not going there yet. You know what I mean? We all have those areas in our lives. But you have to start knowing your completeness in Christ, then move forward. Really, everything else is just tips and tricks. It's just like little things to help you actually remember the truth. You know, like, like Christianity, it's almost like waking up from amnesia, where you're remembering who you are, and you've forgotten what God has done for you. And you've forgotten who you've been made to be in Him. That's, what, that's why we do this, is so that you will be given some information, you'll be encouraged, you'll be loved on, you see it modeled, that this mind renewal process to shed away that stuff that we think defines us to remember what actually defines us, that is the finished work of Christ. Amen? Now, I mean, I'm telling you, that is the core of who we are. It's always going to be who we are. That is who we, how we're going to minister to you. But I love to see improvement. Do you have some areas in your life you want to improve? I mean, think about it. A few, right? How many have more than one? Okay, good. That's where we're going to go. So before we really go into some practical stuff, I've got a, I've got a passage here from 2 Corinthians 2. Now, th- there's some things in here that could distract us from where we're going, so I'm going to read through this, comment on it a little bit, and then look at the practical part that we're going to put into our lives. So this is Paul, and he's you know teaching, and he says some things that are very interesting. Now, the first part of what he's talking about about revelations and having this experience in heaven, a lot of Christianity strives for that. It strives for phenomenon. I started hearing Muppets in my head. It strives for the experience, right? I just lost you. I'll give you a second. No, but think about that, right? Especially if you tend toward the charismatic side where, you know, you believe the gifts are still for today. You believe that God is actually speaking to you and engaged with you. This is kind of a goal. Oh, I get to have these experiences and encounters. That's fine if you have those experiences and encounters. And if that's a goal for you, keep it in check. But that's not the ultimate mark of spirituality. The ultimate mark of spirituality is that you know how deeply God loves you and that your your response to experiencing His love is that you love others. There's really nothing more spiritual than than you can do. Now, if in the midst of that, you have an encounter, praise God. So let's read through this. 
If you can't see, move around or follow along. I'm actually reading in the New Living just because the way that it um, phrases a couple of these sentences is, is better. So, this boasting will do no good. Now, previously, he's talking about everything that he's been through and, and you know, how he's Jew of Jews and, and just all the stuff that he's been through. Then he gets to this place. The boasting will do no good, but I must go on. All right, so he's going to go on. I'll reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. Reluctantly. He's reluctant. You know, there's lots of rabbit trails. I'm going to try to stick to the point here. Verse 2, I was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know, you see that four right there in the middle of the sentence between no and that? What in the world? That, that's a, like a little clue for you when you read the Bible and it might go from one chapter to the next. Like when you finish a chapter in the Bible, you're not actually finishing a chapter. They just broke it up that way to make it make sense. So just you know, make sure that you're actually reading all the way through. Just a little tip there. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about. So just for context, what he's saying is, look, I'm pretty cool. Like, I'm kind of a big deal in the kingdom is what he's saying. I've done this. I mean, if you, if you really want to know, I've been to heaven. However, that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to. I'll boast about my weaknesses. Now, there is a branch of Christianity that glories in suffering, glories in lack and poverty and illness and sickness. And I'm not saying that God owes you magic checks into your bank account. I'm just saying God came that you would have life and that more abundantly. Amen. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And he made you great and precious promises so that you would be a partaker of his divine nature. Now, a human being that has been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son with his spirit inside a new heart, the mind of Christ, that spirit constantly leading and guide us in leading and guiding us into all truth, that doesn't sound like lack, that doesn't sound like weakness, that doesn't sound like illness. So we're not talking about let's be falsely humble and contrite and make ourselves look how holy I am. You know, no. Say no. Okay. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about genuine weaknesses where you don't have this stuff working in your life yet. That's where we're going. All of us don't have grace working in some area of our lives. That's what I want to do. That is why this place exists. I want to help you connect with God in such a way where you outwardly live all of that life that I described in the beginning where you're complete in Him. So if I wanted to boast, I'd be, I would be no fool in doing so because I'd be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hearing my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Now stay on that one just for a minute. All right, a couple of things here before we really go where we're going, just to make sense of this. So, 
he's talking about these incredible revelations that he's had about the kingdom and about heaven and about God. That's why the Spirit came, because of these revelations that he has. The, the, the demonic spirit from Satan does not want Paul walking around teaching people about the living God, that God has been manifest in the human Jesus, and Jesus set us free from their kingdom. The devil doesn't want you knowing that. The, the enemy didn't want people listening to Paul knowing that. So these are revelations that Paul was giving and making these people come alive in Christ, empowering them to make decisions to step out of their death sin and move into life in Christ. That's why this spirit came. Now, who was it from? Okay. Doesn't say God, right? This spirit was not from God. It was from the enemy. Now, this is different from back under the old covenant, which things just operated differently back then because some people say that this is the same type of thing that happened to King Saul. If you're not familiar with that story, Saul was the first king and David was the predecessor. David, I mean, think about that. David's father didn't even bring him in to be counted as a possible king for the nation of Israel. You know, you've been discredited by some people. God's got different plans. So it's important to actually read what it says and understand what it says. So that spirit that was sent to Saul back then was from God. This one, however, is from Satan. God's not sending evil spirits into your life to torment and test you. You don't see that in Jesus. It's from the devil. And if you ever get confused about anything that you ever read in Scripture as it relates to God and how He treats you, go watch Jesus and how He treats people. Go back through the Gospels, read it, read it, read it, read it. Not necessarily to try to understand what He's saying. There's time for that too. But there's kind of a, this is a good exercise to do. Go through the book of John and just watch how Jesus treats people. That he's God in action. You don't see him. What did he do with devils? You know how he did it? Let's see, he asked them their name. He asked them how long they'd been there. He slammed the Bible on their fork. No, wait a minute. He said, go. All right. So to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, what's the thorn in the flesh? If you look at this, thorn in the flesh, every other place it's ever mentioned in the Bible, it's talking about a people group. It's talking about people. Now, so he could be talking about, remember that one person that followed Paul around and shouted all these things, and then Paul got a revelation, wait a minute, this is, this is not from God, this is the devil. Could be that one, or it could just be the Pharisees and Sadducees in general. These people that were coming behind him, a thorn in his flesh, undoing all the stuff that he was doing. And, you know, most of the letters are written because Paul went to a place and preached and then went away and then Pharisees came back in and said, well, yeah, the Jesus thing is cool, but you also got to keep the law, got to get circumcised, maybe keep the feast too, and possibly let's start doing that sacrifice thing again, which is a spit in the face to the blood of Jesus. However, so what he's talking about here is probably a people group. That's, you know, there's a lot of theology behind that, properly exegeting a passage. You look at first reference and other references. Thorn in the flesh is people. Some people will say that he was sick. Some translations uh, talk about him having an infirmity, but the infirmity is actually the word weakness. So, 
We don't really exactly know what his weakness is. You know, maybe he was hot-headed and he would blow up at them. Maybe he would get in a shouting match with those Pharisees. I don't know. We don't really know what his weakness was, per se. So, keep me from being proud. I was given a thorn in the flesh, probably this people group, from Satan. to And Jesus said, your father, the devil, didn't he? To the ones who knew the Word of God, they were carrying the authentic Word of God. They knew the law. They were representing God. They were anointed. It was in their, it was in their family lineage to represent God. He called them the children of Satan. So you start putting this together and you realize he's talking about people that were coming in and trying to put the law back on people. Because if you look at what his ministry was, it was all about setting people free from that. All right. This is not really what the message is about. We're looking at what weakness is and how Paul responds to it and what God says when Paul goes to God for help in the midst of this weakness. All right. So three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. You ever done that? You ever begged God to take something away from you? You know why he doesn't? This is the answer. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power is works best in weakness. Now, so, let me just finish. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Notice he says power again. He associates grace with power. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. That's the only suffering God endorses, by the way, is you standing up for the gospel and experiencing persecution. You suffering from debt, or bad choices and immorality in your life, and it, you yield or it, it bears the fruit of death because of your sin. That's not the kind of suffering that God's bringing into your life. The only suffering that God endorses is persecution for your faith. It's, it's clear in Scripture. So, for when I am weak, then I am strong. All right, so here's God's answer. Three times Paul says, please take this away. Back one, please. And he says, my grace is all you need. Now, have you ever been taught that that's God saying, no, I won't take it away? And that's wrong. God gives the actual solution, your problem, this issue that you're experiencing in the midst of persecution, in the midst of all of this stuff, in the midst of these people come and trying to undo what you're building up and whatever these weaknesses are that he's experiencing Here's your answer, Paul. My power in you is greater than anything you will face out here. And the sooner you learn to yield to my power within you, Paul, the sooner you'll overcome these things and there'll be a non-issue for you. Amen. His answer is, my power in you is what you need. All of this stuff that's going on on the outside of you, here's the solution. Grace, my ability, my strength working in you. Weakness is an opportunity to experience grace. See, here's the problem with performance-centered religion, is when you recognize weaknesses in your life, it makes you feel guilty and condemned, and you run away from God. However, under the new covenant, because God no longer calls you servants, but He calls you friends, and He will never leave you, and He will never forsake you, and He has given you His Spirit. He's given you a new heart. He's given you the mind of Christ. He's made all these promises to you so you'd be a partaker of His divine nature. They're all yes and amen in Christ. Joy 
when you identify a weakness in your life because it is an opportunity for you to experience grace, which is His power in you to overcome whatever it is that's messing with you, whether it be your own stupid choices or something that's happened to you that is an injustice that robbed you know, innocence or whatever. Grace is God's power and ability working in me. A lot of times grace is defined and it sounds a lot like mercy. In fact, people commingle grace and mercy. Mercy is when you've messed up, God shows you mercy. Mercy is God, while you were dead in your sin, sending Christ into this earth, dying for you so you could receive the free gift of righteousness. That's mercy. Grace is on the front side of when you miss it. Grace is a power and a strength rising up with inside of you, so you don't need mercy. Are you with me? Grace is a living thing within you that rises up and gives you strength. Grace is like the boost of energy that you get when you eat sugar. Are you with me? Like you eat something and it does something to your body and now there's a little bit more power than you had before. Or, you know, that's a bad example, but that's what grace is. You know, grace would be like if Adam could take outside of him the capacity to sing and put it within me and then I, now I can sing like Adam. That's grace. That is charisse. That is charisma. That is his capacity and his ability in action working through me and I sound as good as he does. Who doesn't want that? That's one thing I'm going to talk to God. It's like, God, I would like to sing a little bit better, but you know. Huh? You could teach me? Okay. You have more hope than I do. <laughs> All right, so this is, this is where I want to sit for a little bit to finish out today and then look at where we're going because I do want to help you put some very practical things in place in your life so that you are living out this desire that God has placed in you. We want to fulfill our call. We want to live within our passion. We all have dreams that we want to live within. You know, and, and it's, we can segment those a little bit. Your purpose, your purpose, like the reason you are breathing air, the reason God put you into this earth, the reason you exist, do you know why? It's to be a child of God. Amen. Like that is why you exist, because God wanted you as a child. Your purpose is not to do a job for God. Like, God didn't say, I'm sending Kopi into the earth because I really need him to close the service at Forward Church every week. No, that's not what it is. Your purpose, God's intention for creating you is because he wanted you as a child. So when you acknowledge him as your father, your purpose is fulfilled. You live in full acknowledgement of what he's done for you and that God is the creator of the universe in worship toward him. Your purpose is fulfilled. Now, then you move on to passion, dreams, calling. You know, there's not really, there are some instances where God says, I want you to go do this. But you know, Jesus didn't really do it that way. Jesus did give instructions and send people, but he kind of just trusted that where they would go would be where fruit would be, right? So there is a level of freedom and the freedom may be, you know, we could define that as passion or dreams, those things that you want to do. You know, I remember talking to Austin Austin is a potter in our community here. 
And he was just like, I just have to create pottery. I just, it's in me. If I'm not doing that, I'm, you know, blah, whatever. I forget the word he said. Blah is a good one. We'll put blah in there. But, but you know, right? Like some of you have some things where you just feel like, man, if I'm not doing this, then life's just not any fun. It's okay to have that stuff. You should have that stuff. Hunting, archery, singing, watching TV. I don't know. You know, whatever. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Those things that just bring a sense of fulfillment. Because really, that's what God wants. God wants you to acknowledge that He is your Father and then enjoy Him, enjoy this creation, enjoy relationship with one another. And oh, by the way, since this world's so messed up, Sarah, I'd like for you to do this because these people over here, I could really reach them through you. That's kind of the priority, right? So the priority is knowing you're a child then representing him in this earth, not the other way around. Your purpose isn't fulfilled once you figure out that one and only thing that God... You ever been told that there's one thing that you do better than everybody else on this planet? I mean, I'm telling you, everything that I can do, there's somebody that's better. My wrestling coach used to tell me, he's like, look, man, y'all had this undefeated season. He said, I don't care how good you think you are, there's always somebody that can beat you. I'm like, thanks, coach. But he was right. You know, it's that type of thing. If, if you associate your purpose with something that you're supposed to do, you'll never be fulfilled. You'll never find that place of rest and enjoyment in God. But if you start from that place of completeness, then live from that, man, it's incredibly rewarding and fulfilling. And you don't get all freaked out when you don't fulfill something or if you fail. You know, if you experience a failure with something that you've tried, it's like, well... You know, was it Edison that he said, I learned 99 ways not to build a light bulb? I mean, you just keep going, right? So that's what I want to talk about over these next few weeks of how to actually live from that place. Now, let me just give you a dynamic of what grace is. See, for you to experience these spiritual promises that God has given you, provision, healing, hearing from Him, having words for other people, Whatever it might be, whatever it is how God wants to express Himself through you, the active engagement that's happening there is grace working through you. It's the Spirit of God inside of you uh, speaking to your heart where you hear Him from so that your heart will know His love for you and that you will be filled to the full measure of Christ. Was that Ephesians 3, something like that? I've probably butchered it. We'll read that next week. But that's, that's where we are with God, knowing our identity but having personal responsibility over the fruit that we need to bear in our lives. So he says, here's what I want from you. I want you to bear fruit. And that thing about cutting you away and throwing you away, that's a bad translation. It actually means to lift up. If you're not bearing fruit, what God will do is he'll come along and lift you up. He'll put you back into a place of health so that you can and you will bear fruit. But grace is interesting because, see, it's like a paradox, right? Like, you can do nothing to improve on what God has done. However, if you do not access grace deep within your heart, you will not bear fruit. You will not experience that intimacy. Now, we want grace to be an effortless process, right? Like, we want to be in such agreement with what God's desire and will is for us in our minds that it just, we just naturally choose those things. But how's that working for you? Not so much in some areas, right? 
Those are the areas where we want to make some shifts and tweaks and improvements, but here's how you make those shifts and tweaks. You learn how to connect with God's grace because it is His grace, it is His strength, it is His power within you that will teach you. Grace is a teacher. Grace will teach you how to live godly, how to express godliness in your marriage and in your finances and with your children and in your ministry and in your job and in your school and whatever it is. Grace is that it's that active aspect of God being alive inside of you that helps you go beyond where you are now. Because if it's up to you, you stuck. But you're not stuck because God is in you to move you past where you are. A lot of people put that out there. God, just show up. If you'll move this mountain over here, then I can go over there and everything will work out fine for me. I see it the other way around. I see God move me, shape me, teach me, show me where I'm seeing it. Show me where the perspective is that I need to shift, where I'm not seeing myself or I'm not seeing this situation or I'm responding in weakness. I've got this weakness where I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling you, God. I'm not hearing you. I've got this. This person in my life is this. This person in my life is rejecting, and this person in my life is challenging. God, I, and we're totally reactionary to the world around us. And the solution is, just like Paul, begging God, God says, no, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking outwardly. You're looking external. The solution is, my grace is in you. My power is in you. Now, there's really no other way to experience grace other than what we would call biblical prayer and meditation, taking that time to really connect with God, becoming still, be still, and experience God. So tip number one, I'll give you this. You can do this. You don't have to do this. This is not a magic formula. All this is is to give you an opportunity to experience some mind renewal to experience transformation. Y'all ready for the tip? I got one yeah and one sure. Are y'all ready for the tip? Yeah. All right. All right. It's, so, it's silly kind of, right? But here it is. And it's so practical that you may not see the benefit in it. And I got this uh, through my friend Christy Metropolis who reminded me as we were ministering to somebody that she got it from Jim that probably got it from somebody from somebody from somebody that got it from God. So we'll just give God the credit. Anyway, and this is it. It's so silly, so practical. But at the top of every hour, take five minutes and relax. At the top of every hour, set your phone. Don't set it in the middle of the night to wake yourself up. But when you're awake, if you don't remember, now I realize sometimes you're at a job or you're driving or whatever and you can't do it. As much as you can throughout the day, just take five minutes at the top of the hour and relax. Like physically relax. Do you know how to relax? Like, think about it just for a minute. Think about your shoulders. Are your shoulders stiff? Relax your shoulders. Take a deep breath. <sighs> so what we're going to do is we're going to co-labor with the Spirit of God. When you are relaxed, when you are more stilled in your mind, your body actually works better. It is actually scientifically proven that when you are stressed, the, the beneficial systems of your body are constricted. The healing aspects of the systems within your body when you are experiencing stress are constricted. But when you are relaxed, it actually relaxes the organs. It relaxes the endocrine system, your nervous system. It relaxes everything. And when you're relaxed, your body will begin to work the way God 
designed it to work. Now, in the beginning for this first week, daily, if so if you accept the mission, several times throughout the day, five minutes at the top of the hour, just relax. You're not trying to hear God. You're not even really praying. It's not a thing where you empty your mind. You know, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not even really talking about meditation. I'm just, just talking about physical relaxation. You watch. You'll realize how much stress you carry. You feel it? <laughs> People are like, oh. And you might carry so much stress that when you choose to relax, you might feel a little like, ooh. A little, you know, like this little boost of endorphin or something. It happens. In fact, sometimes when people are up spinning around and doing their hyper-spiritual charismatic gymnastics in church and they feel like God really moved, they just kind of let themselves cut loose a little bit and experience what naturally your body can feel like. Not taken away from that type of experience. I'm just saying, you know, this, this physical co-laboring with spirit is powerful. The goal, the goal is, and the point is, if you learn how to relax, it is the first step in experiencing grace and overcoming weakness, overcoming temptation. Because when you are faced with a situation that you need to experience improvement in or you need to see some fruit in, you're probably, if you think about that area, you get tensed up. You know, I know somebody that when they sleep, their head is off the pillow, laying on their back. Their head's off the pillow because they're so drawn up. And it's like, oh, okay, just... just Take a deep breath. Over and over and over again, God says, peace. Be still. Peace. Be still. So when you need to make a decision, just like try it. Relax. Or a good time to do it is when you pull up to a traffic light. If it's red, just stop for a minute. Relax. And just, just see how you feel. Are you good with that? Now, coupled with that is what we're going to do through this week is we're just positioning our heart to be able to receive that grace, receive that inspiration. You watch what will happen. When you make a habitual practice out of relaxing and going to that place of peace, inspiration will rise up. I'm, I promise you, you watch. Your job, your responsibility is respond to that inspiration. God, there's not one thing that you're struggling with that God has not given you the solution for. In this moment, right now, I don't care how sick you are. I don't care how broke you are. I don't care how far away from God you think that you are. There's not one thing that God is not constantly breathing into your heart and mind to give you the solution, to break the power of that thing and you to move toward bearing fruit so that Christ grows within you, and you outwardly reflect that this, this love that He has for you. Because that's what the power, that's the strategy of God, love one another. That's how we're going to show the world that Jesus is real, our love for one another. Amen? So here's one more thing, and it's in a question here. Now, in the relaxation thing, and I'm going to add more to this as we go throughout the weeks, but I just want to kind of give you that to practice. But here's a question. What would a blank person do? So when you need to make a decision, whether it be in your health, whether it be in your finances, whether it be in your relationship, whether it be in your job, whatever that is, remembering that you are complete in Christ, remembering the sufficiency of His sacrifice, that you can't improve spiritually, but you just want to deeper reflect who God is in you, 
when you need to make a decision, ask this question. Now, don't let this question be performance-oriented, you know, where it's like, I have to do this to be that type of person. There is a little bit of behavior modification in the mind renewal process unto transformation. It's okay to look at your behavior and shift and tweak some things so that a lot of times what it is is that you're making a decision to stop hardening your heart. So in other words, let's say this year you wanna get more healthy, you wanna lose some weight, you wanna feel better, you wanna have better energy. When you sit down to eat, what would a healthy person eat? Just ask yourself that. Now, you either already know or the Spirit of God will show you. Finances. What would a person responsible in their finances do? Are you with me? So affirm your identity in Christ. Don't let this question send a signal back to you that you are bad in that area, but you're just kind of given your, in that physical relaxation, then you ask a question like this, God will answer. Now, I hope that it sounds like your own mind and your own heart just serving up to you the answer so you're not stuck in this tormenting cycle of, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What should I do? You know what I mean? That's why the five-minute thing is, makes it so practical because we all want to pray more. We all want to read the Bible more. We all want to be, do more of that stuff, but we feel like, oh, it's going to take so long. Just five minutes. Just start five minutes daily, several times throughout the day. Relax. And then when you need to make a decision in these areas where you've set goals and intentions, and remembering that Paul himself begged God three times to fix this area of his life, and God said, no, see, Paul, you don't need me to show up there and fix the situation. What you need to do is connect my grace inside of your heart because my grace inside of your heart is more than enough. It's greater than anything in this world. Greater am I in you than he who is in the world. And we're living from that reality. But the practical aspect of getting grace to work in our lives, and again, the relaxation thing may work for you, may not work for you. As I said, take it or leave it. However, your heart needs to begin to have the experience of being taught by the Holy Spirit, not just taught information, but you actually accessing a power beyond your own strength and living within that. Are you with me? Because that is the power of transformation. That is the secret to you moving beyond, is you letting God strengthen you, transform you, shape you, teach you. Where we're going to go is, after making this physical relaxation a habitual practice, is the response aspect. Okay, now that, I've, now that I'm doing this, and now that I'm turning my heart toward God, and, and it's, it's good to have the Word of God in your mind and in your heart because that's what He's going to use. He's going to pull up the Word out of your heart to serve it up to your mind to inspire a response from you. Next week, we're going to talk about response and, and moving forward in those areas. How's that sound? Does that sound like you can something you want to do? I'm telling you, just even the little physical relaxation thing, is, is, it's just the health benefits are worth it. But you watch what it does. You watch what it does. I will go ahead and say this. If the inspiration rises up, write it down. Take notes. If there's a clear action, go ahead and take that action. You know, we miss so many opportunities to respond to God because we don't act on that inspiration in the moment. But you can actually habitualize 
responding to God in your life. And it's not performance, it's just managing your facility in such a way where you set yourself in position to respond to God. Amen? You going to do that? Amen. All right. I want to hear some credible testimony next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for the practicality of your word. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. Jesus, we give you all credit and all the glory for any fruit that is birthed in our hearts and born out into our lives. We just want you to be glorified. We're not seeking to have our carnal and physical desires fulfilled. We, 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 I, I personally believe that any desire that you have for me is better than anything that I could come up with. So I only want to be influenced by you. I just want to yield to you. And I, <clears throat> I, I commit and I intentionally determine to make myself impressionable to you. And I choose to put myself in your presence, in your, in your face, so that I will be impressed by you to make these shifts and to see more fruit in my life.